You are listening to the Launch Mission Podcast. Preparing students for liftoff on the journey to life after high school. With your host, author and founder of the Launch Mission Ministry, Tommy McGregor. So how does a teenager with visible growth in his faith struggle to the point of declining in maturity once he leaves home after high school graduation? So buckle your seatbelt. And make sure your tray table is in its upright position because it is time for the Launch Mission Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Launch Mission Podcast. How's everybody feeling? How's everybody doing? We are now officially in May of 2023. And for those of you who are seniors and your parents and family who are listening, this is a very special time for you, no doubt. So for you high school seniors listening, I want you to think back for a moment, 12 or 13 years ago, sometime in kindergarten or maybe first grade, someone told you that you would be in the class of 2023. And that probably did not make any sense to you at the time. But even a few years later, as an older child, it still seemed like so far away in the future. But now it's here and you've worked so hard to get here. So my question is for you, after graduation, what's next? Now, By asking that question, I don't mean where are you going, because I know that you know the answer to that, or at least have an idea at this point. My question is, when you get, who are you going as? Do you remember that question around Halloween every year as a child, everybody would ask, hey, who are you going as? Well, I'm asking the same question, but with so much more importance to your answer. The truth is, if you're going away to college or moving away at some point, You can reintroduce yourselves to this new world of people that you will meet. You can become anyone you want to be. question that I really am getting at is, will you be you? Will you choose to be the person that you were created to be? Look, everybody wants to grow and develop into a better version of who they were in high school. And that's not what I'm talking about here. You can turn over a new leaf and and become more responsible or be a better friend or a better student or be more helpful to others. Those are great personal development goals. And I would encourage you to do that, especially at this stage of life transitioning into another chapter of your life. But my question of who are you going as refers to the core of who you are and who you are developing into. So despite the temptations, you do not want to go to college and abandon the values and faith principles that you were raised in. But I'll tell you that college can be a fertile ground for that kind of change. But you have a choice. You're standing at a crossroads and you have the opportunity to make that decision. Am I going to grow and develop in who I've been raised to be and who God has created me to be, or am I going to go and become somebody that I'm not? That's the decision you have. 
With this podcast, I want to help you discover a vision for who you can be during these college years and then help you surround yourself with others who can support you and help you develop into the person that you were created to be. I got a lot of great gifts from my family and friends when I graduated from high school, but the most meaningful was a book called The Freshman 15, a 15-week devotional for a freshman's first semester in college. This book covers 15 different themes that college students are actively living out as they read, from finding a new church, living with a roommate, managing time, and all those new responsibilities that come with living away from home. If you're looking to give a meaningful graduation gift this year, check out The Freshman 15 by Tommy McGregor, available on Amazon and other online bookstores. In this episode of the podcast, I have an incredible interview that I'm excited to share with you from Jonathan Morrow of Impact 360. But before I do that, I want to give you an idea of the direction that I plan to go with this podcast as we move into the summer. Next week, if all goes well, episode nine will be a college student roundtable as we discuss with college students the importance of community on a college campus, and then we'll also talk about those freshman retreats that you heard about in episode three. And then beginning in episode 10, I will begin a 10 to 12 episode series that will feature one of the major campus ministries that are on most college campuses. We have crew and InterVarsity and Young Life College and Navigators, as well as others, as well as many of those denominationally specific campus ministries. And so my goal is to help you learn how each one is unique to one another and how they do ministry so that you can determine which ones might be more interesting for you to try out when you get on campus. Then you can use the 3C app to help you know which of those ministries are on your campus, how to follow them, how to make contact with them, and how to connect with those campus ministries and the leaders that are running them. And then in mid-July and August, we'll kind of wrap things up for this season as we learn more about life on college campuses. And then the final episode will help you pack and move and settle in. So keep listening and go ahead and download the 3C app. If you'll pull out your cell phone right now and go to www.download3c.app, you can get the 3C app right now. In high school, it was so much easier to find Christian friends and be involved in a church. Everyone knew who I was and what I stood for. When I went to college, I left all of that behind. Finding a Christian community in college was more difficult. My freshman year, no one knew me, and it was hard to fight the temptation to become someone other than who I really was. In college, I had to be more intentional about my walk with Christ. There was no one here to show me how to be a good Christian college student. I didn't know which church to go to or where to find a good group of friends that would support me and my faith. It was pretty overwhelming at first. It was pretty overwhelming at first. It was pretty overwhelming at first. That's when I discovered the 3C app. This app helped me connect to campus ministries and local churches on my campus. 
The app showed me where the ministries were located, when the next gathering was, and how to follow them online to learn more. Now I'm involved in a great community on campus. My friends are here, and we're accountable to each other. We have great worship events and do life together. I have grown more in Christ in college than I ever did in high school. I think all Christian college students, and especially incoming freshmen, need to download the 3C app. My guest today on the podcast is my friend, Dr. Jonathan Morrow. Jonathan is the Director of Cultural Engagement and Student Discipleship at the Impact 360 Institute in Georgia. He is also an adjunct professor of apologetics at Biola University. He's the author of several books, including Welcome to College and Questioning the Bible. Jonathan is an authority on Christian worldview and the Gen Z culture. So I want to encourage any students and parents or mentors listening to get out something to take notes with and write down some questions that you can then have a further conversation about, especially as Jonathan covers six alternative worldviews present on a college campus. So here is my conversation with Jonathan Morrow. Mission podcast. Jonathan, welcome to the Launch Mission uh, podcast, man. I'm I'm really excited to have you uh, on because you have this uh, unique approach to this conversation because you have studied this generation and you understand the culture that they're living in. So I'm excited to jump in this with you. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tommy. I really appreciate you, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, so um, let's talk about this season of time of, of going uh, to college and, and, and living through these college years, because I know a typical student probably approaches it um, with you know this, this opportunity for freedom and this chance to uh, to to live uh, their life with maybe fewer guidelines than they're used to. But what opportunity can this be, this season of time? What can this be for students who want to be intentional about living the life that uh, that God has laid before them? For sure. And I love the way that you phrase that question because the college experience or let me put it this way. The college years for a follower of Jesus can be an amazing time, but only if you said kind of intentionally, because what I want to encourage students as you're listening right now, fast forward like four or five years, three, four or five years, depending upon what your college experience looks like. Um, and think about walking across the graduation stage. And I want you to ask yourself the question, what story do I want to, do I want to tell about my college years? And, the reason why I want you to start there is because I want you to think about your college experience as a unique season in which you get to follow Jesus and grow and experience all these new opportunities and trajectories um, and opportunities to be and make disciples that are pretty amazing. If you come at it with a couple of assumptions, first, um, I want to invest. I want to ask you to investigate why you believe what you believe. Because look, if Christianity is true, then it changes everything and you're going to arrange your life around it. It's not just going to be some add-on. 
And so a lot of times people think about, oh, cool college. I get to do what I want to do when I want to do it, whenever I want to do it and the whole thing like that. Right. And there's, that's true. Right. But the Christian understanding of freedom is very different than the um, cultural um, understanding of freedom and freedom understood biblically is that I am free when I'm able to do what I was designed to do. So think about it this way. Um, who is the most free person when they sit down to play a piano? Is it somebody who hits it with a hammer or a baseball bat? Or is it somebody who, um, you know what, they've been practicing and learning scales and things like that for the last 10 years? Well, the person who knows how the piano is designed to be played, they're the most free. And that right now, and I know we'll get into some challenges and different things in a minute. One of the big questions is what does it mean to be human? And what does flourishing look like? And freedom is a big piece of that. And if we think the secular definition of freedom is going to make us happy, it won't. It'll actually, it's actually slavery because what happens is, is if you get um, stuck in a pattern of desires and things like that that you think are going to make you happy, but they're not, that's going to lead you to a life of self-consumption rather than how has God designed me? Who am I living for? Who am I becoming? What opportunities do I have? What does it look like for me to be a disciple of Jesus and also make a disciple, make disciples of Jesus while I'm there? It's a whole different framework, right? So my encouragement to you as you're listening to this is that you think about the college years as an opportunity of intentional growth and investment. And then it's just exciting. It's fun. I mean, you're going to make new friends. You're going to have new experiences. You get to try new things. You get to learn new things. You get to have new ministry. But you want college to be proactive. You're not reactive. So you're not just going into it going, hey, I'm just going to go with the flow and everything else. That's that's a disaster. Culture is what you come to see as normal without having to think about it. Every college camp, campus that you go to is going to have a culture about it. And what you want to do is, okay, what does it look like for me to intentionally follow Jesus based on the assumption that this is true and that all of life is connected and I'm here to make a difference and to be and make disciples, man, that that's a whole, and then discover my God-given calling and how I can use my gifts to serve others and the church and people around me, man, that that's what gets exciting. Yeah, it does. Um, you mentioned proactive versus reactive. Can you unpack that just for a second? Yeah, for sure. So think about, and that's why I asked the original question of saying, okay, think about your graduation. And what would you want to be true? Because if you just kind of go into college being reactive, then whatever circumstance or deadline or time or crowd you're with or people you belong with are going to set the agenda. But being proactive means, you know what? I'm going to go into this, say I'm going to build in rhythms for my own spiritual growth, meaning I'm going to get plugged into a local church where I go. I'm going to read my Bible consistently. I'm going to get plugged in. Um, I'm going to learn more about why I believe what I believe. I'm going to intentionally pray for others to share the gospel with like that. I'm going to, those are intentional, proactive ways to go. And I'm going to have boundaries in my dating relationships. I'm going to, it's not just, Hey, the first person who shows me interest, I'm going to go, go after, or allow that to set the agenda. Even if we don't share the same worldview or commitment to Christ, no, it's going to be, no, I'm, here's the right kind of person that I'm looking for. Those are proactive ways to kind of go at it as opposed to just kind of going with the flow and just kind of being led along kind of this river of culture and um, honestly kind of what comes naturally during the college years, which usually doesn't, you, n you never end up drifting somewhere worth going usually. That's right. That's right. Um, so you talk a lot about worldview in your writings and, 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 and speaking uh, and, 
And you have written about this concept of thinking Christianly. I was wondering if you could explain that and explain kind of what that means. Uh, and then also, what is the conflict of worldviews that are on a college campus today? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so to think Christianly is part of our um, discipleship to the Lord Jesus is loving him with all of our mind and um, thinking. So pretty much every, everyone's a theologian or a philosopher. The, the key is, is are we going to be, because everybody thinks about God and thinks about big, important questions. So worldviews deal with big, important questions like, who am I? Where did I come from? What has meaning or purpose in life? What's right and wrong? What happens when I die? You know, those kind of fundamental kind of questions. That's a worldview. And so the Bible actually speaks to all of those. So to think Christianly is going, okay, the cultural assumptions for my secular culture, um, they don't think God exists or is real, that purpose is generated from within, that there is no right and wrong, and that um, identity is whatever I choose to make it to be. Well, that's going to be a, just a disaster. It's going to lead to misery in life. But to think Christianly about that rather is going, okay, no, I was created for a purpose. My identity is rooted in my in my relationship with God as male or female, biological male, biological female, flourishing as he designed, right? Sexual relationships and gender, those are those are those are good ideas because they're God's idea, right? That's part of thinking Christianly. Also, objective truth and right and wrong actually exist. There are moral and spiritual dead ends in life. You can run into those. Um, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So all roads don't lead to God. So so you see a clear contrast between what you're going to encounter on most college campuses and honestly, even many Christian, quote unquote, campuses, what you're going to encounter there. And so to think Christianly is to bring a biblical worldview, because not only is it true and we have really good reasons why we believe what we believe, but because it's true, it explains what needs to be explained about life. And it also brings reality into clearer focus. And that's what thinking Christianly um, does for us. And so as that with that as a foundation, that's part of loving God with your mind, right? That doesn't mean everyone needs to get a PhD. It doesn't mean you need to like, like, but it does mean, okay, I'm going to renew my mind, Romans 12 too. I'm going to think well about these topics and these big questions in life. And the reason why it matters so much for you to learn how to think Christianly is because there are very real challenges that are heading your way. And it's not about scare tactics or it's not about a reason not to engage. It's just having a sober awareness, right? First uh, Peter 1.13 talks about being sober-minded and preparing our minds for action. You just need to understand that there are a lot of ideas hostile to a Christian worldview and, and being a follower of Jesus today on campus. So here are real quick, um, this here's here, here are the six that I would put in a category that you need to think through. Um, the first one, these are kind of cultural waves that are operating in the background kind of underneath the surface. The first one is the reality of digital saturation and distraction, meaning you've got access to more information than ever in human history in your pocket in a, in a screen, right? And screens disciple. And you're being discipled every day by what you consume, what you listen to on Spotify, what, what you watch on Netflix, all of that is teaching you. It's kind of like death by a thousand little nudges of your worldview. It doesn't make a bunch of rational arguments. It just nudges you and gives you pictures of reality and normalizes certain assumptions. And so not only are you distracted and I'm distracted 
by the devices that I use and you use, but it's also shaping your assumptions about reality. So the first thing that you have to do is you need to come to grips with the fact that you need to take your digital discipleship seriously. That's part of your discipleship to the Lord Jesus, because if you don't, then you're being shaped far more than you even realize, and you'll come to see things as normal that are not good. So that's the operating in the background. Second, the reality of scientism underneath the surface. What does that mean? It just means that there's an assumption that only the hard sciences count as knowledge. Why does that matter? Well, the Bible speaks to a lot of spiritual, moral, and historical claims as well. And if spiritual morality and <clears throat> historical things cannot be known, guess what? then knowledge is not associated with Christianity. But guess what also is true is knowledge is clearly taught in Scripture. Over 2,000 times, you have knowledge and knowing words showing up, about four to 500 faith or believing words, and both are vital. But the biblical worldview assumes that you can know moral and spiritual truth. So if scientism says, okay, guess what? You, you can't know um, that moral truth exists, then you end up with relativism. That is, that's your next big wave. True for you, but not for me. Follow your heart. Um, you know, you do you, and then everybody follows their own pathway. You end up with kind of everybody thinks they're their own moral compass. That's going to be a disaster. And then what happens then is, well, what happens when what you believe is true bumps into what I believe isn't true? And then you end up with the third uh, or the fourth wave there, which is really it's called tribalism, because what's happened in our culture is and on campuses is people have stopped making arguments for and against things. What they're doing now is it's just power plays. So when you lose truth and when you lose knowledge of the truth, then all you're left with is power. And that's what you're seeing um, play out on social media and in our culture. So, for example, you may have wondered, where did the LGBTQ plus acronym come from? Because it's actually fundamentally at odds, right? The L and the T are fundamentally at odds. A lesbian thinks that a biological woman is a category. A T, a trans individual, does not. They're in absolute contradiction to one another, yet they're aligned in the same acronym. Why? Because they're taking down the power dynamics and they're trying to, they're aligned for now, but eventually the T and the L will be fighting that out as well. And we're actually seeing more of that now. And that's just one example of how tribalism plays itself out. There's all sorts of expressions, whether even within political parties and social media, but tribalism has become normalized. And so as a follower of Jesus, you're going to be have to think through, okay, how do I persuade and show people what's good and true and beautiful in a culture that is basically an us versus them um, carving up on every possible issue? That's something you're going to have to figure out. That also leads us to the next big cultural wave coming your way on a college campus, which is the sexual revolution 2.0. The original sexual revolution happened in, in the 1960s, which was um, whatever sexual behavior you wanted to do, you were free to do. Like that was, that eventually kind of made its way down through the years. Today, the 2.0 version is, is now my sexual identity can be chosen as well. So I can, I get to choose gender um, identifications. I get to choose who I am and how I present and all of those kind of things as well. So not just behavior, but identity. And that's the big shift that's occurred. And you will be considered unloving if you do not accept someone else's identity. But there again, thinking worldviewishly and thinking Christianly, a biblical understanding of love means seeking someone's highest good. First Corinthians 13 talks about how love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. And so there are times when we have to tell the truth to be loving. Um, 
love as Jesus defined it means obeying his commands for second, third John, read those passages. So again, you're going to have to be in the middle of these conversations on sexuality. And then lastly, if you took a version quote unquote of Christian uh, Christianity that adopted scientism, that adopted relativism, that adopted um, kind of the tribalism and is LGBTQ affirming and the sexual revolution 2.0 and you replace the gospel claim that people are fallen and sinful and need to be forgiven. And Jesus is the only way, if you remove that and put secular social justice in the core of it, you end up with progressive Christianity, which is the last big cultural wave calling things Christian that aren't really Christian. And basically that's going to seem a lot like the surrounding culture, many campus ministries, campus churches, things like that, professors, it'll be a lot more subtle because they'll use certain Christian terminology, certain Christian language, you should love, you should have justice, all these kind of things, but they're going to mean very different terms, right? So that, that again is why you need to think with a biblical worldview and renew your mind because I can flat out tell you those six things are headed your way and you're going to have to be ready to engage those as you are both being and making disciples on that campus. Wow. I'm so glad you said all of that and and explained it the way you did, because so many times uh, if we were to ask any college student or or incoming uh, college student that's listening, um, you know, what are the challenges for a Christian on campus? They're going to give you topics like there's parties and there's sex and there's, you know, there um, professors that that might challenge you. I mean, they're going to give you all these kind of topics. But what you're telling us here are the underlining foundational issues that are at play and the symptoms or the effects of those foundational issues are what most college students would describe as the, the challenges. Yeah. And so that's because those challenges are underneath the surface. And there's also, you know, the classic ones of following the desires and things that I want to do with my time, but it's really important to make sure that you're seeing these because they're going to coalesce in all sorts of ways on, on your campus. And you've got to be able to be, be prepared to engage them and to think honestly in a little more sophisticated way about your own discipleship than perhaps you have up to this point, or maybe you've had to, maybe you were homeschooled or went to a Christian school or even a public school and a youth group where most people shared your assumptions about reality. You're going to be moving into a campus that's either post-Christian at best or anti-Christian at worst. And so you'll have, you'll have all of that to navigate. Yeah, that's true. Um, so give us some steps um, for how a, a, uh, a college student, maybe a college freshman or sophomore um, can begin this process of thriving uh, in their faith in this new setting. Perfect. Yeah. So the first thing that I would do is you're going to want to find a group to belong to. That is that is Christian. Second Timothy two twenty two would be a great passage to memorize. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue faith, love, righteousness, and peace alongside those who call on the Lord out of pure heart. So you're going to run away from things. Notice you're not running away from youth. You're running away from the evil desires of youth. Youth is great, right? You just need the wisdom and the experience and leaning into the book of Proverbs and the rest of Scripture to help you with that youth, right? And then you're going to run toward what's good. And then you're also going to run away and run with a group of people who take Jesus seriously. And so 
That's the piece. Within the first six months, you're going to need to find a group to belong to, find a campus ministry, a local church, get plugged in. Um, that's the first thing. You don't want to be isolated. Second thing, build a consistent spiritual habit of hearing from God through his word and talking to God through prayer. That it doesn't need to be spiritually heroic. It doesn't need to be reading 32 books of the Bible every day. It doesn't mean getting up at two in the morning and start memorizing everything in Hebrew or whatever. That's not the point. The point is, am I having consistent time with God in his word? And am I around other people to run with? Those two things in and of themselves are massive what are called spiritual keystone habits, where you kind of you kind of build those in and they start to have ripple effects in the rest of your other areas and relationships. Third, find a book. Um, and I wrote a book called Welcome to College. And so that might be a good one to think through in terms of kind of uh, and, and continue reading that and, and being exposed to that because um, it has a lot of different topics on that. I wrote a book called Questioning the Bible, which deals with challenges to the Bible, or Is God Just a Human Invention that deals with challenges related to God and Christianity. Find some ways to kind of think deeper about your faith during during the college years. Um, get plugged into a local church. Um, just start attending and, and finding one that's a Bible-believing, gospel-centered, and gospel-advancing church. Um, do they actually care about discipleship? Do they take biblical authority seriously? Um, those are important things. Um, also, you're going to want to uh, build habits in of being physically healthy. Um, mental health is a big issue with our culture and with students and all of us. And one of the most important things you can do for yourself is to just stay active, go for walks, go work out, get into some spiritual or get into some physical habits that will help you kind of stay healthy. So Again, it will never be easier than at the beginning to start some important habits, two, three, four habits that are you just build into your college experience. And then you'll be able to kind of kind of build out from there as you get more involved or you realize you need to learn more about this or you have challenges in this area or, you know, those kind of things. But you, what you don't want to do is just show up on campus with no plan, no intentionality, no habits, and just react to everything as we've already talked about because – You'll kind of get lost in the mix. It'll, you know, you're get you'll get isolated. You'll get discouraged. It's easier to take the shape of whatever worldview is the group that you happen to belong with at the moment. And so, those are just some things. Just initially, hopefully, really practical that you can do right from the beginning. Jonathan, tell us about Impact Three Hundred and Sixty, uh, your camps, uh, your gap year program, and all the things that you guys provide there for uh, students who have just graduated from high school. Yeah, for sure. So I get to work with Impact 360. We're really um, seeing students grow in their faith, own their faith, cultivating leaders who follow Jesus. And we do that in a lot of different ways. But high school graduates, age 18 to 20, we have our Christian gap year, which is called Impact 360 Fellows. Uh, you can find out all about this at impact360.org with all the information about these things. But it's nine months where we intentionally um, set aside where students are challenged to not just think differently and grow, but they'll be an authentic community. We we take them on trips, mission trips. We think about so we we talk about ideas and worldview in the classroom, and then we go do something with it. That's a key part of the DNA that we offer. And so we'll have you know about a hundred students uh, from all around the country and all around the world coming together in this gap year, um, and you can 
apply to that. I mean, in the fall is a great time to think about that. And sometimes people go, well, why would I do a gap year? Does that mean I don't know what I'm doing? No, it doesn't mean that at all. In fact, the more students I interact with, the more I realize that it is very, very rare to find a student who's both um, morally, spiritually, intellectually, and relationally ready to not just survive the college experience, but to flourish there and have influence and make disciples. And so what the fellows in the gap year experience will do for you is it will give you nine months of training and equipping and vision and habits and community and experiences and opportunities to grow and learn, to discover your gifting, your calling, all these kind of things so that you head into the rest of your college experience with purpose and a lot more clarity and confidence to follow Jesus in that environment, wherever he's calling you. And what we find is that it doesn't make college longer. In fact, you'll change majors a lot less. Yeah, we get 18 hours of college credit. You get to go through this thing. It's great. Um, it's it's I teach in this as well as many other faculty. You'll get to travel to different parts of the world, whether that's Brazil or South Africa. I mean, we get to go to all these places and, and apply what we're learning. And that's honestly one of the things that's so rare in the way we do education today is we talk about ideas and then we move on and we don't leave room to process or actually practice. So like, for example, our, also our summer camps and worldview uh, leadership experiences during the summer for high schoolers, age 14 to graduating senior, propel and immersion. Like we'll, we'll learn about Islam as a worldview, and then we're going to go engage our, our Muslim friends and go to a mosque on a Friday and hear the, hear the imam present why Islam is true. And then our students will get a chance to ask questions and clarify differences between Jesus and Muhammad and the Bible and the Quran. And all of a sudden it comes alive. And you're not relativizing these things. You're actually talking about stuff that matters with real people who disagree with you. And there is no substitute for the ability to do those kinds of things. So whether it's our summer experiences or propel and immersion for high school students or our fellows experience, which is our nine month gap year for high school graduates, um, you can learn more about all of that at impact360.org because we really want to come alongside you in this season to help you flourish, not just during the high school years, but well into your college years and beyond because Again, it's awesome, and we definitely need to make sure that students are prepared and you guys are prepared to keep your faith. But, man, what would it be like to show up with intention, with purpose, with confidence and clarity about how do I fulfill the mission right where I'm at at this school and make disciples and help other people catch a vision for this vision of the Christian life, uh, which is so exciting. So, again, impact360.org. We would love to come alongside you. You can do preview days. You can come on campus. We make it real easy to learn more about what we're doing. We're just about an hour outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Have a beautiful campus here. So would love to love to see you and definitely say hello if you listen to this and come find me and uh, check us out at impact360.org. We'd love to have you guys jump in. You have been listening to the Launch Mission Podcast. For more about the ministry, this podcast, the 90-Day Senior Challenge, the 3C app, or any of the other resources mentioned, Go to thelaunchmission.org or visit us on Facebook and Instagram at The Launch Mission.